Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? On the corner of yes and yes. Or wait, hold on. No, I can think of a better one. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get into the episode, we've got a little bit of business from our last episode on the stark expo i don't know why it's less said the episode name we never do that but (laughs) it just did it we got some word snappers words uh those words were peter dies a little inside submitted by our patron lillian grimes which i said in reference to the symbiote yeah. I mean, actually, this probably was the most appropriate way to use those words. So Yeah. No, it actually worked really, really well. And I'm glad you did it because I uh, I was in one of those recording modes where I like completely forgot we had words, snappers words. So I was yeah. glad to have you thinking about it. <laughs> me? Me too. Go me. I'm great. Yeah, go you. Yeah. We're continuing watching the uh, 2017 Spider-Man show, which you can watch along with us uh, on Disney+. Plus. But this episode is definitely a... um. A big one, I would say, and actually have some 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 interview like production information on it because of that. Yeah. But this is, we we expected it to happen at some point, but this is like the Miles Morales origin story episode, one hundred percent. Interestingly titled Ultimate Spider Man, not that one. No, nope, <laughs> which is not that one. <laughs> such such a power move, honestly. Like I get it; it makes sense why you would do that, but it's also funny because it's like literally the title of the show that just went off the air yeah. like less than a year before this episode aired. So mm-hmm. like, all right, you're just st- making your stake and like, we're different. And this is our <laughs> ultimate Spider-Man ultimate Spider-Man. We don't know her. Right. <laughs> like again, I get it. And I'm sure they were like, we're going to stick it to the last show. No. Like, it's just funny. Like that. It's just like, yeah, who cares? We're going to call it ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, no. And it makes sense because that's where miles is introduced. So like, right. It's the, it's, it's, a very appropriate title for this episode, but it doesn't make it not funny. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just very funny. It's like literally that show literally just went off the air and was on for for quite a long time. So yeah, very funny. Anyway, yeah, this is this is the ultimate Spider-Man episode with Miles becoming the ultimate Spider-Man. So I've got a couple of uh, of, of quotes from his voice actor Najee Jeter because a couple of them I thought were actually kind of interesting. One thing in an interview he did, like, coinciding this episode with Collider is that he said that he was told by Marvel that Miles is only 13, which doesn't, I don't think, at all line up with this show, really. And also other places you can find lists like this version of Miles is 15 because he is literally going to high school with these other characters. Um, I, so I would buy it, though. 
it's it's a high school, but thirteen makes you an eighth grader typically, so it's not that far off. Yeah, so maybe he was just bumped up a grade. Yeah. For for the yeah, it's possible. I think it's also possible that that he was just referring to like Miles, just uh, Miles Marvel, just sort of filling him in generally on Miles's backstory because he has thirteen in the comics. Yeah. Because I mean, this in this quote, I think is like super super focused on the youth aspect. So he says that a Marvel gave me some great direction from my understanding. He was the youngest kid in horizon high, a playful kid who had a great responsibility. So what I took from that was channeling my inner child and what I knew from miles and his upbringing and background. Once that was said in the show, they said, that's perfect, but put a little more youth on him. <laughs> so, Which I also buy, especially yeah. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it makes sense because I think we've talked about it before that I think they've done a really smart thing with since there isn't a huge age gap, whether whether Miles is 13 or 15 in this show, like no matter what, it's still a significantly smaller age gap between him and Peter than, than there generally is in any other iteration where they coexist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think the show has been really smart to be like, it doesn't, what, regardless of what age Miles actually is, he's like very much his mentality is super youthful. Like that's sort of his whole, his whole thing is being, is like embracing his inner child and being like so chill and carefree and childlike in so many ways. And that that's sort of like the major hurdle that he will kind of inevitably have to overcome when he's a superhero. That's what sort of sets him apart from Peter, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Another quote from that Collider article that I just thought was kind of fun because I like hearing how uh, how voice acting is done on any given project. Um, and he says that this is a case where they do group recordings every other Friday for this show, or they were back in the first season. He says, all of us in one big booth just having fun while also taking our job very seriously. All just going with it. It's more of a great vibe than being alone by yourself. You get more of a feel of feeding off the characters and just being in that environment, in that headspace. Um, which I think is kind of cool because I know that there's plenty of shows that don't do that and just have, you know, independent recording sessions because it's easy to schedule. So I think it's always really fun when you get a show where they get them to interact together because you definitely get a sense of camaraderie. I don't know if you really see it that much in like this particular episode or anything, but often when you have the Horizon High kids together, I think they do play off of each other really well. That's it's kind of fun. I, uh... I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that they did this because I I would have speculated the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I would have I would, I would have, have thought guessed, so too. But yeah. not even not even just because that's sort of standard, but based on how frequently they're all on screen but not all speaking, um, and mm-hmm. how little and we've really seen them all together in comparison to to like the the proportion of time that we spend with all of them together. Uh, doesn't feel like it would necessarily warrant group recordings. Although I'm glad they did them. Like, don't get me wrong, but I guess maybe that's why it's every other Friday and not we always <laughs> recorded together. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it gives me a little bit of hope, maybe because you know he would have been doing this interview. He's doing the interview when the episode is coming out. So I'm assuming maybe they're even in production of like the second season or sure. something when he's doing this interview. So that could mean that that changes as the show goes along, and maybe we'll get more of all of the Horizon kids together at the same time rather than this like. Yeah. piecemeal thing that we've been getting in the first season. I sure hope like it, so. At some point down the line, especially once they've all got spider powers, like they can't just have them one at a time. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see that going forward based on knowing that now. Yeah. And then just another, um, just uh, a quote that's sort of just generally about the importance of Miles. Because this is, a, I think this is sort of a big deal given that this is before Spider-Verse. And even though we've seen 
Miles Morales in the Ultimate Spider-Man show before this, he wasn't a main character. He was just recurring. To my knowledge, I don't think he's given, like, like you don't see a chronological origin story for him. I think he just shows up during the Spider-Verse multi-parters and then appears, you know, more after that. So this is the first time where it's like, here's an established character. We see his origin story. We see him you know, progress into a hero, just like the Into the Spider-Verse movie that comes after this. This, I mean, this is this is probably a big deal because it probably is the first time that a lot of kids are seeing, like, a Miles Morales story on screen, right? So Miles says, on being introduced to Spider-Man, uh, he said, it's actually had a huge impact on me. I have a lot of little cousins and brothers and sisters that are young and watch the show. For them to see an African-American Spider-Man is a different outlook for a young African-American boy that looks up to Spider-Man regardless. But to see someone of their own color, it's kind of historic. It has an impact and shows what Marvel is trying to do and what they're capable of. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's one of the reasons that Miles resonates so strongly, especially now, you know? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of these Spider-Verse characters, because I think they're well thought out and they are desperately wanted and needed. Yeah, I fully agree. And I'm sort of excited to see how this show goes forward with it knowing who they have spider people wise that like everyone is sort of definitely filling filling a gap that is missing in in yeah, like yeah. superhero universes in general so yeah that's uh really cool that this show is sort of embracing that aspect of the spider-man mythos mm-hmm. well i suppose we can just go ahead and start getting into this episode itself so we are watching the uh spider-man 2017 show season one episode nine entitled as we said Ultimate Spider-Man. The synopsis per IMDb is, when Miles Morales is bitten by an experimental spider and gains spider powers, Spider-Man must teach him the responsibilities of being a superhero. I also want to point out that, like, the Disney Plus descriptions, like, for this episode and the next one, too, I think Bill Miles as Kid Arachnid, which he's never referred to at all so far in this show, so, and I know that, like, that's one of his many, like, alternate names okay. in the comics. <laughs> I know that. I just think it's sort of weird that they're just like, he's Kid Arachnid, I guess, but, like, well, they don't call him that. Um, I, I think Kid Arachnid was an attempt by this show to give Miles a name other than Spider-Man, and it didn't work. Yeah, well, it's a terrible name. I hate it. I think it's so bad, personally. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's a terrible name. I just don't think it made sense for them to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad they don't actually call him that in the show, unless they do later oh, on. I, well, but... I, th- I think they probably do. Uh, okay. <laughs> I well, assume we'll that's see. why Disney Plus is calling him that, unless they literally only did it for marketing and merchandise. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I thought it was a comics thing, but maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I remember seeing... I mean, if it happened in the comics, I don't don't know uh, when it did. But uh, I remember being at the store and seeing Miles Morales merchandise branded as Kid Arachnid, and it was from this TV show. Gotcha. Okay. Well, all right. It's just like, I don't know. It works for like an actual sidekick character, but Miles is like explicitly not a sidekick, so it just ends up being weird, but whatever. The original air date for this episode is September 23rd, 2017. It was written by familiar people, Kevin Shinnick, uh, and directed by Dan Duncan. We talked about both of those guys on our episode number 77. Yeah. <clears throat> and we meet Miles' dad. Miles' <laughs> mm-hmm. dad is in this episode. So Jefferson Davis is in this one, and he is voiced by Alex Desert, who played Julio Mendez, one of three main characters on the 1990 series The Flash. 
Uh, he was a main cast member on TV 101 and Becker. I did watch Becker. Uh, I recognized this guy when I when I was looking up like who he was, and I was like, I know you. Why do I know you? Gotcha. Um, and it's from Becker, where he looks slightly different. So it took me took me seeing these notes to realize <laughs> why I knew him. Uh, he was recurring on Boy Meets World and Better Things, and he also voiced Nick Fury on Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, as well as becoming the new voice of Carl Carlson on The Simpsons as of 2020. Yep, yep, yep. So that's really the only main character that we have in this episode. So we can just go ahead and get right into it. Because actually, this episode has a very, a very brisk pace and a lot of exposition. So yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's an origin story, but it's not just an origin story. They could have done uh-huh. a whole episode that was just an origin story, but they didn't. <laughs> nope, nope. This is not explicit. It's Miles focused, but it's not explicitly Miles focused, and it makes yeah. this. It's a hefty. It's a surprisingly hefty episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. The episode opens with uh, Peter walking to school and then only to pass Miles being bullied on the street. His dad, Jefferson Davis, who I don't think is named explicitly in the episode, but he is in the credits, and I don't want to just call him Miles' dad, so we're going to call him Jefferson, (laughs) (laughs) comes to his aid, which, of course, you know, bullies love that shit. So it only encourages the bullies. They're like, little baby needs his daddy, which is just going to embarrass Miles, right? So the bullies still run off, and, and Jefferson kind of tries to assure Miles that, that Miles has a gift, which is that he's smart, and that's what's going to help him in life, not his fists. And Miles is like, okay, Dad, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> which, it's it's so interesting, because Miles came up so fast as a character, and because he was given so many adaptations so quickly, it's so interesting to see like the slight differences and similarities between different stories, right? So, like... The fact that Miles is embarrassed by his parents, that's consistent. (laughs) We see that in Into the Spider-Verse, too. We see that he has sort of like a fun, playful, uh, semi-embarrassed relationship with his parents in the comics sometimes, too. Uh, So it's fun to see that here. But, you know, we don't get a ton of Jefferson Davis, so I don't even know yet, like, what this version of Jefferson Davis is going to be. Yeah. Uh, It could be completely different than what we can expect moving forward, because I think Into the Spider-Verse is probably going to solidify the fact that in all future iterations, Jefferson Davis will be a cop. Yeah, yeah, because he is in the video game too now. Yeah. So that's like two two major iterations. This yeah. one, he's also kind of like drawn older than I think I normally see him. Oh, or at least for like sure. For this show, because he almost looks like, like they, they give him like a grandpa kind of aesthetic, like the way he's dressed and his very gray, like gray hair and he's balding and stuff like that, which like, you can still be like young and look like that, but in a show like this where they're very broad strokes in their designs, like yeah, it's I'm almost surprised that for a kid being as young as Miles, they draw him to look like that, which makes me feel like they're not trying to suggest that he's like <laughs> right. a shield agent or whatever, like he is in the comics sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't expect that. They kind of make him look as old as Uncle Ben in flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, but you know, <laughs> it's fine. Choice. It's just it's it's an interesting choice. Yeah, it's like what yeah. am I supposed to really infer from this character? I'm not really sure. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, Miles continues to be embarrassed because then he realizes that Peter saw this whole thing, and Peter's like, "Oh, it's fine." I he assures him that he that you know Peter also was bullied at Midtown, um, and Peter says to deal with it. I found my own way to be strong. I decided that doing the right things and making the right choices was the way to stand tall. That's real power. And Miles is like, okay, well, I just want to punch those guys in the face. (laughs) I love his response. That's not power. (laughs) He's so baffled. What the fuck are you talking about, Peter? 
Which I love. That persists throughout this whole episode. Like, Spider-Man's, like, and Spider-Man and Peter are both, like, trying to bestow this wisdom as a mentor. And Miles is like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It's great. Yeah. In this case, Miles is just like, I just need to get a growth spur. Then I can punch those guys till my heart's content. Yeah. Just you like, wait. <laughs> yeah. But they th- this conversation kind of has to get to a dead stop because Peter spots a spider slayer now attacking Osborne Academy and has to uh-huh. run off and deal with that. Just crawling up Oscorp Tower. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so we do cut to Osborne Academy and we see the spider slayer confronting Norman Osborne. Uh, who is sporting both a force field and armed security guards. Uh, This force field is so funny to me because it never covers everybody. It's always like Norman and no one else or like Norman and Harry and no one else. Like it's such a a visibly dick thing to do. I have force field technology, but like y'all could get shot. It's cool. Thanks, Norman. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So this Slayer projects Spencer Smythe's floating head. Uh, to talk to Norman, and the conversation reveals and establishes a few things. So one of those things is that Norman Osborne owns the Slayer and was expecting Spencer Smythe to return it. So Spencer Smythe has essentially stolen one of the Slayers. (laughs) Spencer thinks he should keep it because Norman, and this is huge, Yes. Norman never held up his end of the bargain, which is described as a promised faculty position at Osborne Academy in exchange... For framing Harry for sabotage, which apparently Norman requested Spencer do, which is huge. That is a huge bomb drop on this series because there have been points in certain episodes where we have just had to guess like what Norman's level of knowledge of the situation was. Like we kind of presumed he would at least be filled in. But he was never directly present for any of these things. And to learn that he requested the event that sparked him to create this academy that he then begins collecting students and faculty for is wild. Like, he basically created an excuse for him to make this big thing, which I guess is in line with his obsession with appearances. And, like, it it, Mm. it creates a manipulative situation where he is responding to an injustice which makes him sort of yeah. a good guy, right? Um, yeah. But it's fascinating. That I, My mind was blown. I mean, it shouldn't have been, but my mind was blown. No, I didn't expect it either, though, because, I mean, I, I figured they were just going to mine the whole, like, you know, like, rival villain types of situations. Oh, Spencer Smythe or whatever doesn't like Norman for whatever reason. I'm sure, why not? They are, All the adults hate each other. So the idea that they were at least at one point aligned and that Norman caused, basically, like, jump-started the entire, like, premise of the show yeah. is just, for for no reason other than to just, like, yeah, start start his own school and have the have like a sympathetic reason for doing so. Like it's so bizarre, but yeah, also still makes sense for Norman Osborn being such a manipulative bastard mm-hmm. that it's like, he's, you know, he's the dude that's constantly playing 40 chess in a way yeah. that like a lot of, a lot of rich people wish that they could, but only like a comic <laughs> book supervillain actually can. And yeah. it's really fun because you get twists like this, that you just don't expect at all. 
Do Norman Osborn and Lex Luthor ever meet in a crossover scenario? Oh, I'd hope so. They'd have to. It seems so natural, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I and yeah, right. Both of them together, they would they would either like do really well together or they would just like fundamentally destroy 100%. each other. I'm not the, sure which. <laughs> I actually think the two of them together would be the perfect inciting incident in a in a crossover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if the two of them are like maybe maybe it starts with them believing they can collaborate. Somehow they cross paths and realize they're working on the same sort of thing, and then immediately sort of become antagonistic forces toward one another. Yeah, I mean, what greater threat to the multiverse is there than those two men fighting each other over it? Yeah, well, even and even in the in in the context of just this show, I think it's really interesting how they've sort of like like we all expect Norman Osborn to be a villain. That's not that's not a surprise, right? <laughs> but I, but I do think that you know he's sort of like subtly inserted. It, not even from the top of the from, from the show. He like comes in in like the third episode, and he's just kind of there, and he's like very there. And, and even at the beginning of it, it's just sort of like he doesn't really seem like as bad. Like he's he's a he's a weirdo, but it doesn't even seem that that bad because he like at least loves his son. And then you get like little more bits of him, like oh no, he's actually very sadistic. Oh, he's kind of a sociopath. And then by this point, he's sort of positioned as like already the big bad of the series, has more knowledge than any other character, especially by the end of this episode between this and like the symbiote and like the multiple connections he has to every other villain and, mm-hmm. and like it's not that it's subtle it's just that like it's been so incrementally doled out like what his motivations are and what he has his hands in and the things that he like sort of slowly learns or the conclusions he comes to like about spider-man's connection to horizon high and the v252 and and now like his connection with with spencer and that he knows all about the, his son and in fact like made made the sabotage thing happen like he's he's like sort of the 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 catalyst for so many things yeah. like he's right right at the center of it and most characters have no awareness of that and that's such an interesting place for them to just sort of be like yeah i guess norman's just the biggest villain in this show and nobody really knows it <laughs> i think that's kind of brilliant though and i think the way that they unfold it is kind of brilliant because when we mm-hmm. first meet him we get what everybody in the universe sees and then slowly we get to peel back layers that nobody else gets to see. So like, yeah, we're experiencing what somebody like Spider-Man would experience the more they learn about Norman Osborn. We're just experiencing it as an audience as opposed to somebody in the universe, which I think is a very cool way to slowly reveal and build up exactly the power that Norman has. Because you're right. Yeah. No one else in the universe knows what he's what he's doing or what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only we know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Well, Norman kind of assures Spencer that, you know, he just needs to be patient. Well, it'll all come. It'll all come together at some point, um, which is Spencer just kind of assumes that he's bullshitting him. He's totally done. It's just like, I don't care. I'm not going to listen to you. In fact, I'm just going to activate a bomb right now and it's going to detonate in one minute. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> then talk um, about some 40 chess. Right, right. Because then I, I honestly, I love this. This is such a smart thing for the show to do. I didn't catch Spi- it the first time. I was confused the first time. I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? And then I like went back because I was like, surely I missed something. Yeah. So we, we know that, that Peter saw the Spider Slayer, right? So he's been on his way while this is going on. So just as soon as, as the Spider Slayer activates the bomb and, and, and just like Spencer Smythe shuts off his connection or whatever, Spider-Man shows up right then. And Norman's like, oh, no. Oh, Spider-Man. Uh, well, th- there's a bomb in the Spider Slayer and it's going to go off in two minutes. 
<laughs> fucking bastard. It's just, and, and he comes like he comes up with this like he wasn't expecting Spider-Man to show up. No. And he immediately comes up with it. It's like, oh, I can use this. I can have Spider-Man get the bomb out of my window, but also kill him. Wow. Great. Like yeah. master manipulator. I love it. It's great. And again, create sympathy because the the spider slayer was attacking his school. Mm-hmm. Like he knows it's not going to get away. Like it's not just two birds. It's at least three, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as Norman wants, Spidey is able to get the, the Slayer, like, out of the vicinity of Norman Osborn so it doesn't blow up in his face. But he's only able to get the Slayer, like, to the roof of the building uh, before the bomb goes off because, again, he thought it would be two – he had two minutes to get it out. He actually only has one minute. So as soon as he gets the Slayer to the roof, the bomb goes off, like, basically in Spidey's face. Even though his spider sense goes off, it's not enough time for him to, to you know, to get out of the way. So it's a big explosion, blows out all the windows of Oz Academy, and sends Spidey plummeting to his death. Can this whole show take place at that tower? Because every fucking thing they do at that tower is so cool. Right? The, yeah. The blowing out of the windows genuinely looks really cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, there's an impact there. It's awesome. Yeah, And we get great. to see it twice. <laughs> we, do. we do, yeah, because they show it again after you come back from the yep. from the title card. <laughs> yep, yep. So after the title card, we actually jump back in time just ever so slightly so we can see this again but from a different perspective. And we see it from Miles' perspective because earlier Miles was like, I'll come with you, Peter. And he was like, no, d- please don't do that. But Miles is obviously not going to listen. So Miles <laughs> arrives on scene at Osborne Academy with the intention of helping but he bumps into Spencer on the way and Spencer drops a briefcase. Miles tries to help him by like picking everything up and putting it back in there. And while he's still holding on to one of the vials, Spencer's Spencer's like, give me that and like runs away. So Spencer doesn't notice that he doesn't have everything. And Miles is just holding on to this vial. Well, we know what some of the experiments that they've been doing at Osborne Academy is. And this vial has a spider on it and it bites Miles and we know where this kind of goes from there. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. What up, origin story? Not what right? I was expecting. <laughs> no, it happens so fast. Like, yep. all of this is in such rapid succession. It's wild. I mean, and they, they sort of use it to their advantage because, like, yeah. Miles doesn't have a second to process the fact that he just got bitten by a spider that was in a vial in, like, a briefcase that was being carried by a scientist who just stormed off and didn't notice it. Like, he doesn't have a chance to, to process it because he then, you know, immediately there's an explosion happening in the background and Spider-Man, like, unconscious and plummeting from the top of a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. So, like... There's a lot of there's a lot going on. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> and it's and it's sort of smart because like they're able to use like this sort of um, barrage of just like intensity to justify Miles just instinctively like doing a bunch of cool flips and jumps and all assorted acrobatic moves. Like he's he's instantly has spider powers. Base is what we see and doesn't mm-hmm. even like realize it because he's acting fully on impulse, seeing Spider Man plummeting, and he's like, I've got to help. So he just jumps really, really high and is able to literally catch Spider-Man in the air in his arms. Yeah. And that's like the moment that he realizes that like is just like, wait a minute. What, what did, did I, I just, just do? do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. 
It's basically yeah. just like he meant to run in that direction and ended up like on the side of a building. It was so cool. Right. <laughs> it's cool because, you know, he's talking to himself the whole time and everything. It's just like, I mean, they, they do a good job making it very explicit that he yeah. has no idea what he's doing until he's actually done it. Yeah. It kind of builds, too, because, like, I think he just, like, jumps a fence first and then he, like – jumps onto a car and then he like jumps a little bit further and then it's like I'm going to jump onto this building <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and catch yeah. a full grown human. <laughs> right. Right. It's really yeah, it's really good. Spidey is is unaware of all of this though because uh, once once Miles kind of like lands and, and puts Spidey in safety, like he starts freaking out about the fact that he like jumped and caught Spider-Man mid-air and is like I'm about to be sick and then runs off. As soon as he runs off, that's when Spider-Man wakes up and is like, "What just happened?" Continuity, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess when you get bit by one of these spiders, you must throw up. <laughs> yep, I love that. Yeah, I love that they they kept that. <laughs> Uh, and I have to imagine it's going to continue to be a running joke because uh, if they've done it twice, they're going to do it at least once more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if like Gwen and Anya both uh, both end up getting powers at the same time. Then we get to see it exactly three times, which would be perfect. Oh yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well. We do end up seeing where Spencer ends up after all of this. He shows up in a dingy, shadowy lab, and he's reporting to somebody mysterious who's just sort of like in the shadows, but it's definitely not Raymond Warren, even though they're shaped exactly like Raymond Warren and sound like Raymond Warren. So definitely (laughs) not him. But Spencer remarks that the bomb was the perfect distraction because the only person who saw him was like some random kid. No one else even noticed. And who who even is that kid, right? So who cares? The mysterious person then reveals who they are. And sorry, I fooled you. It's Raymond Warren. Um, just looking and sounding exactly like Raymond Warren. He literally walks out of the shadows and says like, Raymond Warren. <laughs> it's so weird because when they entered that scene, I was like, why is Raymond standing in the shadows? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's sort of, I can kind of understand based on where it goes, but it is yeah. like funny in the moment. And I guess still yeah. funny after the fact. But in any case, because they both hate Norman Osborn, they agree to work together despite not necessarily getting along or even really crossing paths all that much, it seems like. Yeah. But they're working together now. So when Spencer asked how Raymond was able to get out of prison, because last time we saw him, Raymond was in prison, or we assumed he was. He's being taken away by the police. Yeah. Raymond notices that one of the eight spiders, the Electrolis arachnatus, interesting name, uh, is missing. And uh, so we don't actually get an answer on that, that question of how Raymond gets out. Right. Back at Horizon High, Miles researches his bite. By, you know, typing on a computer, because that's all you can do, I guess. Uh, then <laughs> that's, that's all we get in that scene. And then we get, then we cut to Oz Academy, where uh, Peter comes to check on Harry. Um, and Harry actually fills him in that, uh, hey, wow, it was Spencer Smythe controlling the Slayer. And, and he was targeting me again, according to my dad. And, you know, Peter obviously was there as Spider-Man, knew that Spencer Smythe was not there to target Harry and was, in fact, there for Norman. So Peter's like, that's sort of weird. Why would Norman lie? That's strange. But he also recognizes that someone rescued him uh, while he was unconscious. So Peter <laughs> tries to, like, pry with Harry. They they do a whole little bit where they re-acknowledge how much Harry hates Spider-Man because Peter's like, oh, wasn't there, like, a superhero there? And Harry's like... Uh, yeah, Spider-Man was there when there was not a superhero because he sucks. He's a uh, menace. I love Harry is just straight up J. Jonah Jameson in this Fully. show. It's great. It's so Fully. fun. 
But yeah, he sort of, he tries to get Harry to like fill him in if there was anybody else. And Harry's like, no, I didn't hear that anybody else was there. So Peter's still left with, uh, with questions to who mysteriously saved him. I love that scene though, because this show, you know, like it employs a very simple animation style, but it's very clear that there are certain things they really want to focus on or like specific beats they want to nail. And this is one of them. Like when Peter is asking Harry, like, was there, uh, was there like anybody else though? Like just curious, whatever. <laughs> like he does this like shifty eye thing and it's timed <laughs> yeah. so perfectly. It is timed perfectly and it it cracked me up and the show usually doesn't have me like in stitches so i (laughs) good on them for that moment it was good it was good (laughs) well naturally peter is suspicious about norman lying to harry about spencer's motivations but before he can really do any research which again apparently involves typing in binary this time um he gets a call from miles uh saying like peter i need you please come here uh which is alarming so peter goes to miles lab and sees after a moment of not seeing Miles at all, Miles in a new Spider-Man costume, the one that we have grown to know and love. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect that to happen no. so quickly either. No. Yeah, they really just, um, I think, you know, as we watched the show that neither one of us was familiar with prior to covering it, it's interesting to sort of learn what the characteristics of the show are. And I think another one that we can sort of peg on this show is that there are just certain things they're not interested in belaboring you know like if there is a story they want to get to and it requires a prerequisite they're just gonna they're gonna cover that prerequisite in as few beats as possible and they want miles here and they have stories to tell with miles so they're not gonna belabor miles origin story we saw that kind of with the the symbiote too where it was like we have the symbiote here and we want to get to a certain point we're not going to belabor what happens in between. Like we yeah. just want to get to that thing. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know if we can really tell yet. I think it has pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely another instance of that. You, you know, and, and in fairness to this particular situation, it doesn't seem like what Miles would have gone through would have been that much different than what Peter went through in terms of like exploring his powers and like using the technology of Horizon High to build a suit. Like it seems like that was all just going to be roughly the same as what Peter did exactly. So I mm-hmm. understand them not wanting to repeat that. It is still like surprising that they don't want to explore how Miles explores his powers and how maybe that would reflect differently from what Peter did. But I do think they do that enough after this point. Right, because I think what they want is for Miles to explore that with Peter present. Yeah. And so having him go through any of that emotional journey prior to Peter being on the scene just would take away from, I think, that relationship that they want to build instead. And so it's it's interesting because you wonder, like, wait, well, isn't Miles, like, freaked out about this but if we saw that then it would it would detract from what i think yeah. is probably better anyway and i guess you could argue that this is that it it happening so fast for him is kind of a character beat because like with peter he does a lot of this introspection and and just like thinking through trying to invent this his spider persona and what he wants to do with it yeah. with miles it's just like i have spider powers cool i'm like spider-man now gonna make a spider-man costume yep. that looks like spider-man but it's just slightly different because i'm a different spider-man that's it there you go now now yeah. we're done <laughs> yeah it is very character informing i like it and it's in line with what we've we've seen it's it's interesting too that we've seen so like relatively relatively little of miles and then bam miles is spider-man um i feel yeah. like we get so much more we kind of had miles figured out i think but i think e- even we struggled sometimes to like fully define exactly what his characteristics were or his personality was this episode just comes in full force and is like this is exactly who miles is and i do think that this informs that greatly yeah yes i fully agree 
So Miles ends up showing off his spider powers to Peter, very excited to team up with Spider-Man, the one that he knows, and show everybody what he calls his new power spurt as opposed to a growth spurt. <laughs> Peter tries to coach him on like the secret identity thing, basically being like, oh, they exist for a reason. And Miles kind of listens to that and is like, yeah, I guess you're right, only to immediately reveal his powers to Anya and Gwen, which very much caught me by surprise. Me too! <laughs> <laughs> that was a okay. huge that was like another this episode really took me on a journey <laughs> yeah so miles comments to anya and gwen i got powers but my webs don't seem to have grown in yet which is weird and peter's like hey maybe like we should figure this out and he's like no no no, no. i want to like play and show off what i can do and only when anya and gwen sort of chime in to be like uh but also you're like the second person in new york with spider powers probably not a coincidence so like let's do some tests and see if we can figure this out and so miles is like okay and then we get this brilliant comment that you and i know what to do with and a lot of people probably know what to do with especially with gwen right there anya literally says hey this is awesome maybe we'll all get spider powers and then she and miles high five <laughs> Maybe you will. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's just like, y'all know. Y'all watching at home know. We're not playing coy. We do yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because, yeah. like, the fact that, that Anya and Gwen know Miles is Spider-Man and are willing to do tests on him, one, should freak Peter the fuck out big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, totally changes any of my expectations for how those two would have become uh spider folk you know what i mean because Uh they could end up creating themselves if they want to but we also saw other spiders in in smythe's possession so like the possibilities are endless at this point with this revelation yeah and i do think that that even this is also kind of a nice reflection on miles as a character because it's another addition not only does he just jump into like i'm spider-man now unlike peter who like i said did a lot of like introspection and stuff like that Peter also never in a million years ever considered ever considered telling anyone he was Spider-Man. And Miles yeah. is like, within hours of becoming a Spider-Man, it's right. just like, secret identities for everyone. Like, <laughs> right. Well, everyone well, knows. You and I have talked about this because we've talked about Miles Morales comics. We talked about Into the Spider-Verse. Um, we've talked about the video game. Like, the thing that is so critical for Peter, and I don't think is untrue for Peter, which is that secret identity and protecting people he loves through that separation is a detriment to Miles, who is more about family and relationships, and, like, that becomes his strength. Like, just because they're both Spider-Man doesn't mean they need the same things. And and it's it's interesting to me that it comes out so quickly here. I guess it has the comics as context, but uh, that felt so strongly established through Into the Spider-Verse and more recent comics uh, that I was, like, kind of surprised that it's so instantaneous here. Yeah, like he has to be talked down from not being from not being just a straight up public superhero in general. <laughs> right. Um, like Full you know, Tony like Stark I like mode. <laughs> Yeah, like I like where this this whole that's I mean that's kind of where this whole scene goes, right? Cuz Peter I mean, we know why he's doing this, but to this people in the scene, he's basically a wet blanket to them cuz they're like this is great and he's like well, you know, great power and great responsibility and powers can be a burden and maybe Spider-Man's miserable. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and of course, all the, everybody else like is just like, what are you talking about? 
And I and I kind of like how they how they how they respond to it because both Miles and Gwen speculate on like what if Spider Man just isn't doing it right like if he's viewing his powers as a burden maybe because he's like approaching this wrong um, and Gwen like yeah. you said kind of cites the Avengers not having secret identities and they seem to be doing fine and Miles cites just how fun it is to have powers like why isn't Spider Man having fun why would he view it as a burden if that's the case yeah. it definitely makes me wonder what version of Ghost Spider we're gonna get in this show. If Gwen speculates that maybe Spider-Man being so secretive and being so distant is doing it wrong. Because that's like her whole thing. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Typically. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, you know, maybe that'll be a thing like she learns in this show or something like that. Like, you Um, I'd hate to think (laughs) I know right right like it could be a throwaway line or it could be an establishing character thing who knows it's hard to say which is what's really fun about all of this stuff yeah totally yeah I mean they don't they don't really get the opportunity to run any tests because now that they're (laughs) right oh Miles is being in tests and then not run any tests weird (laughs) yeah that never happens (laughs) yeah you know, I mean, they're talking about the Avengers now. So Miles is like excited that Captain America is going to call him and offer him a spot in the <laughs> Avengers. So he's like, I better go out and show off. So he like runs off before they can do anything. I love that. I think Peter even shouts after him like, Captain America is not going to call you. And then it like cuts off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, so good. it's really fun. Miles is so much fun in this episode. I'm he glad really that is. we're getting him as Spider-Man this early because it definitely felt like we weren't going to get full on Miles until he was Spider-Man. So... Yeah, uh, if that's what it takes. Unfortunately, I'm glad that we're getting Miles Morales Spider-Man this early. Plus, honestly, like this episode could have been terrible and I still think I would have loved it just because I get so much delight in seeing Miles and Peter together as Spider-Man. Yes. Like it is just yes. such a delightful thing. So, yeah. Uh very very excited that we're in that era already and so soon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. So at Oscorp, Adrian and Norman discuss their missing spiders, realizing that Spencer's bomb was a distraction to steal them and not an attack. So that suitcase we saw him with earlier was, and and the reason he was in such a rush was because he stole them (laughs) when the explosion was happening. So good on him. I guess we kind of knew that from, from his, uh. His interaction with definitely not, uh, uh, I almost called him Miles Warren, Raymond Warren. Um, They connect the dots, though, that he must be working with Raymond Warren, who once came to Norman with a plan to create an army of human spider or human soldiers with spider powers, which that's wild, uh, Raymond Warren. That's certainly a plan. (laughs) It's very lizard of you, but like slightly less chaotic, you know? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get this fills in a little bit of background too that we kind of heard when Norman and Raymond were talking in uh, like down the hall from Peter and 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 uh, Harry, because Norman explains that he confiscated the enhanced spiders because of Raymond's erratic behavior, but he didn't destroy them just in case Raymond continued his research. That way, Norman could create an antidote, which I think is an interesting explanation because to me, it feels more like the type of thing that Norman would do in order to either counter or do better than Raymond Warren. And I think this next detail sort of supports that to a degree because he he says he also created a whole wave of spider slayers in the event that that army came to exist. So if Raymond Warren ends up creating a spider soldier army, Norman's immediate response is, well, I need an army to combat that. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
Sure. It's <laughs> wild. It's like it's. I love that it's like this cold war between these like ridiculous mad scientists. That's basically. seriously what this whole show is, isn't it? That's, yeah, it's like an arms race constantly. <laughs> well, and you know what? I never thought about it before, but you know, in the comics and in most cartoons, Spider Slayers are created to fight Spider-Man explicitly. That's why they're the Spider Slayers. Yeah. But I kind of love because it it wouldn't. I didn't think about it, but like it doesn't make sense that there would be a Spider Slayer back in like the pilot episodes because Spider-Man was like so new. So yeah. why would someone have done that? Yeah. But now it makes sense because they were created to be Spider Slayers of the Human Spider Soldiers. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it because it feels like. Not only are they filling in question, like filling in answers for questions we had, they're kind of putting puzzle pieces in place that I didn't even realize were missing. You know, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's that's really good. Like that's that's really well done on their part. The fact yeah. that I hadn't questioned why there were spider slayers prior to Spider Man's existence, I just sort of was like, yeah, okay, like they're robots, so they're cool. So this is just like their take on spider slayers but no there's like actually a reason for why they existed Um, and it's pretty huge is is really awesome yeah it's really cool i i love this as the background of the show now like i I had no idea that's what we were getting and the way that you know it's a thing that like would have was happening independently of of this of spider-man existing but he's still like deeply tied into it by being like accidentally connected to it now yeah you know well and it's It's really really smart given the fact that this show was created in a post not even post but like in the midst of the mcu era because spider-man and and his his peers in the show are all young kids but the show is established that like tony stark is full-on iron man already stark industries is like you know a huge deal and so i think it's kind of it's kind of smart for them to use that as context in a way that allows Peter to sort of just appear in the middle of this cold war that's already yeah. been happening and right. makes sense to have been happening when you consider the ego of Norman Osborn in comparison to the accomplishments of Tony Stark, who we just met a few episodes ago, you know, combine that with a bunch of other egotistical scientists that are all, you know, at least 40 years old. Like yep. Peter is just like emerging as like a young presence in this firmly established world, which is great. I love a, super, a superhero that's sort of like a disruption as opposed to a cause, you know? Like, yeah. I like this much more than, like, Spider-Man emerged so the villains got better, you know? Like, yeah. no, the villains existed, and he's here to, like, fuck the system up. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's such a cool take on it. I didn't, think, I, I didn't <laughs> even think of it that deeply on those terms. But, yeah, that's so true. I, I love it. I love the world that this show has built. Like, even though it's taking place in the Marvel Universe, like, the little bubble of the Spider-Man world is so – it's just, like, so much more fleshed out than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, and and it, sort of, it sort of sneaks up on you because, you know, you expect there to be some mysteries established, but it's, like, the way it's – it's so much bigger than I think it seemed to be from from the get-go. I, I love it. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that they marketed this as a back-to-basics Peter Parker story and then go on to make a story <laughs> that has its own place in a larger Marvel universe and a full Spider-Folk cast. Right. Like, it's, I mean, it, but it still feels, it feels like they practice restraint at the same time. Like, it yeah. feels like they knew exactly what the pitfalls were and they didn't want to just make like an MCU Spider-Man cartoon. Yes. Uh, and I, I appreciate, I appreciate that restraint that they, they are clearly exercising. They started from the, the, the starting point was the back yeah. to basics thing, but they didn't let that become a constraint where they had to stay within, within those, those limitations. That was just their starting point, And they very quickly 
expanded from that like almost yeah. immediately from the jump. So, yep. yeah. Yep. So after we get this explanation of the spider, the potential spider people army and why the spider slayers exist and this sort of stolen spider slayer and stopping Spencer Smythe, Norman basically says, and I'm going to catch a Smythe by using a Smythe. And he turns around and there's, uh, <laughs> there's um, Alistair Smythe working on like a ginormous uh, spider slayer. Huge. Huge, huge. I I love that. um, I love that Alistair Smythe very quickly, in a way that makes so much sense and that I would never have anticipated, turns into the perfect protege for Norman Osborn. Yeah, I really now, as much as I made fun of it before, I actually really do think it was a conscious decision to design him to look so much like classic Harry, just like as as a reference point because they knew they were going to slot him into this position as being like the, the Harry Osborne that he always wanted. Sure. Like it's so, it's so fascinating. It's a, <laughs> it's a cool choice. And and I, I hope I very much hope you're right. I mean, all signs point to it, but I, I hope that's the case. Um, if it, also, if it wasn't a conscious choice, it must've been a subconscious one. Cause it works for so sure. perfectly. For sure. Um, I don't think this question needs to be answered now. I think it should be answered later, but do the Smice kind of become cool in this episode <laughs> oh i was thinking the same thing dude i was like do i love them now huh remember when i thought they were gonna be like the quick burnout villains to establish the universe and now yeah. they're like maybe complicated and cool in a very stupid way we'll get to it yeah yeah <laughs> more I, on I that at so. seven <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh, we, we got back to Miles. He's like kind of he's having a blast with his superpowers. He's trying to do basic superheroing stuff like he's not terrible at it, but he kind of fails at it repeatedly, like ca- getting cats out of trees. But then it's just like, oh, there was actually a kid who was a tree hugger and just hated that the cat was attracting uh, attacking a tree. Like, OK, funny joke, <laughs> I guess. Whatever. <laughs> And he tries to like help an old lady cross the street, but then he accidentally puts her on the wrong side of the street in which she was walking and gets her groceries run over by a car, which I did think was funny. But then after he successfully stops a purse snatcher, a reporter catches up to him and asks him who he is, right? It's like, are you Spider-Man? And he's like, no, I'm, a, I'm different from that guy. I'm a new Spider-Man. I'm She's different. Like, oh, oh. And so, they, you know, they, they kind of prod him to like, okay, well, then who are you then? And then he just like straight up just tells him like, I'm just defending my neighborhood on which I live, which is on 14th Street. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it because it, it, it cuts right to Peter, who's watching this broadcast at Horizon. And he, he says nothing. He just face palms. And yep. that's it. <laughs> you know what's kind of brilliant about it, though, from a writing perspective Miles is sort of meant to be, at least in the 616, sort of a scale back from the what Peter Parker Spider-Man has become, right? So, like, he focuses more on – he and Kamala Khan, I think. I think a lot of the, the younger superheroes are supposed to be a return to form of, like, the neighborhood superhero mm-hmm. that has, like, a a sort of pride in their environment. And so – it's stupid in universe, but it's kind of smart outside of the universe for Miles to accidentally establish himself as the hero of his neighborhood. Well, it's interesting when you when you compare it to the the PS4 slash PS5 game that just came out, right? So that came out long after this this aired, which is very much like explicitly about Miles defending like his neighborhood and his you know his the his his sort of like his the the place that like he feels like he belongs that 
in the context of that game was overlooked and everything. Just in that sense, like it's generally like Harlem in general, right? Right. It's just, he's doing the exact same thing here where he has pride in where he comes from. It's just that like, he's so specific. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> like totally. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's stupid in universe, but it's thematically as a miles, yeah. as a miles characteristic, I think it's really, really cool that they did that. Makes kind sense. of like having him be so ready to tell people who he is uh, versus Peter being very hesitant to. I mean, we yeah. saw that even explored in the Saladin Ahmed comics, right? This idea of yeah. like, I've helped save the entire world and probably the whole galaxy, but like, is that who I am? Yeah. Um, no, yeah. and he, he sort of establishes like, no, I'm, I am my neighborhood and I am the people around me. Um, and that's who my first and foremost responsibility is to. So, I mean, I don't know that they were going as deep as that, obviously, especially because the things we're citing come after this, but... Um, it's all these little kernels of like who Miles is across these this multiverse uh, yeah. that are just so fun to see in different forms. Yeah, I do too. Also, did you? I fully and I'm a little disappointed by my my unrealized expectation here. I fully expected the purse snatcher to be the woman based on the fact that he screwed up every interaction before that. Me so too. I fully expected he was going to stop that guy, give the purse back to the woman and have the guy be like, that was my bag. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a rule of thirds thing. I was right? expecting that too. Cause that <laughs> is, the third... is so dedicated to the rule of three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That seemed like a big misopportunity to not make that a joke. Um, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fully agree. Uh... Oh, well, well, <laughs> We said that Peter was watching this broadcast on the news, but other people are also watching the broadcast where Miles says where he lives. Um, and that is Spencer and Raymond um, and presumably Norman Osborn. We, I, I think they do a nice little writing bit where we don't actually like cut to Norman Osborn watching the news story. But Spencer's like, if we're watching this, Norman probably is, too, which he definitely is, given what happens later in the episode. But they all quickly come to the conclusion that, oh, there's a new spider person. Hmm. I guess that's what happened to the missing spider. <laughs> I guess that's where it went. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Katie, Mike, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, as Spider-Man, this is this is bringing back something from the beginning of the episode that I should have seen coming, but I was all wrapped up in everything going on that I, for some reason, didn't. And then was like, oh, okay, I see where this is kind of going now. 
Um, as Spider-Man, Miles confronts the bullies from the beginning of the episode, and he does so very aggressively. Like, he yeah. throws one of them, like, against a telephone or, like, a street light, street lamp or whatever, which would hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the bullies don't even really seem to know who Miles is. When Spider-Man says, like, that kid that you that you were pushing around, they were like, what kid? And he was like, Miles Morales. And they're like, who? <laughs> like, they have no idea, which only makes him more angry. Yeah. They do end up running away from Miles Spider-Man, uh, which he thinks is because he's, you know, made his point. But it turns out that Peter Spider-Man is just standing right behind him in a classic, classic comedy bit. Um, mm-hmm. And who's been watching the whole thing, which... Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so Peter Spider Man. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. This is why they call him Kid Arachnid eventually. It's gotta be yeah. right. I realized that in the show notes while I was writing it because, like, you know, normally when we're doing this, we try to differentiate between like Peter and Spider Man, so you know if it's right. if it's Spider Man in a Spider Man costume or not, because that's important sometimes. But then this time, <laughs> right. it's sort of like, well, Miles doesn't know Peter is Spider Man, <laughs> and. Yep. And we still have to differentiate between like those those four different identities. So it's like it, I I mean I just kind of went back and forth on if I call them Peter or Miles depending on the situation. So yeah, hopefully yeah. it doesn't get too confusing. No 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 no. I I think <laughs> we'll all be fine here. Like well we'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> but um but Peter as Spider Man like you said Miles doesn't know this has been watching this and is basically like, don't you think maybe you're real being a little tough on those kids? And he, he really stresses that revenge is not what being a hero is about. And we know why he knows that, but of course miles doesn't. Yeah. Peter once again, this time as Spider-Man tries to give miles the power and responsibility spiel again, but miles thinks he's being like way too serious. And he even says like, I wasn't bitten by a police officer. I was bitten by an awesome spider. Which is also kind of funny because we know that his dad is a police officer in so many different versions. And actually would really make sense in this version if that's his first thought. Yeah, it almost feels like a missed... I mean, you could still... I don't know. Maybe you could say that his dad is a police officer or was or something like that. Still could could be. He could be a detective or a captain or something. Yeah, it's just... But it would would be a nice addition to the motivation that it's just like he's also just thinking about like maybe his dad is a little bit too uptight and he doesn't want to listen to him. Yep. Yeah. So... Peter also tries to drill into Miles how bad it is to tell the world where he lives. Again, another thing that he's reiterating as Spider-Man that he tried to get through to Miles as Peter. But Miles is way too excited that Spider-Man even watched the interview where he revealed this. So he's totally not listening. And he's like, dude, no one's coming after me. And then moments later, one of the giant Spider-Slayer robots shows up with the announcement, new spider I've come for you. <laughs> That's a good bit of comedy. I like. I, I, like I enjoyed a it a lot. I feel like, you know, early on in the series, I don't know if this is me acclimating to the comedy of the series or if the series finds its comedic footing a little bit better. Not sure which, but the show is making me laugh way more now than it did when I started watching it. I think it's better. I think it is generally better now. I think it's like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm feel. Maybe I'm also acclimating to it. But I think like. Now that they've established who these characters are a little better, better, and we're more familiar with them, I think the the humor just comes through a little bit better. Yeah, that makes maybe. sense. That makes sense. Like, yeah. if you know who these characters are, you know what is funny based on how they normally are versus how they normally aren't. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, but in any case, there is a giant Spider Slayer robot calling for the new Spider-Man. And if that's not bad enough, a second Slayer shows up too. And it is also giant. So we have... Giant purple spider slayer and giant magenta spider slayer. I love it. Uh, I in love the, the color scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Beautiful. Me too. They're beautiful. 
That yep. Yep, they are. I like them. I like them a lot. And uh, given that they are done entirely in computer-generated animation, the fact that they so seamlessly fit into this world, which is aided by the fact that the backgrounds are also frequently a meshing of CG and traditional. I don't know. They just look really nice. They just look look really really nice. nice. They move really nice. They look nice. They're just nice. Especially considering, I mean, the, how much they have to do in this in this sequence. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, they pulled it off. I like how it looks. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Even though I was like fully, just the, yet another moment in this episode where I was like, "What is happening? <laughs> giant robots? <laughs> what <now>? is happening? <laughs> like, dang, Miles's first day is just for real. Wild. Seriously, in his first day, he gets bit. He starts using his powers. He creates a suit for himself. He reveals his identity to three people, uh, tells the entire city where he lives. <laughs> just like, dude. And now he's fighting giant robots. And now he has right, giant buddy. robots. He doesn't even have web shooters yet. Like, no. <laughs> and he's largely unfazed. Yeah. <laughs> he's just I sort lo- of like, I, cool. <laughs> I, that is really charming that he's just like, okay, well, yeah. hey, this is great. This is what being Spider-Man is though, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. good. well so there's two giant robots now so even though peter doesn't really want miles to be in danger i think that he very quickly realizes that like he can't handle this on his own so the two spider-men are pretty much just forced to team up to defend themselves against all the weapons of these slayers so we got electric webs we got giant claws we got metal tentacles that look a lot like like ox tentacles mm-hmm. uh, in, in some ways um and they got like missiles but with, like and giant alligator mouths on the end of them Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, all kinds, all kinds of weaponry, weaponry, all kinds of missiles and lasers and stuff like that. So there's plenty of cool action sequences and everything. You know, while this is going on, two spider people fighting giant robots is awesome. And then since these robots are like booming the voices of the people that are inside, which that's so the stupid. other thing that it's 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 stupid in universe in universe stupid not the it's it's fine in the show (laughs) yeah because what i do like about this a lot is that like previously i think they've just been kind of like remote control robots in this case these giant robots are like are just straight up mecha yeah (laughs) like spencer and alistair are actually in their little cockpits yeah in these giant robots like you know booming out their their messages and everything and everything like it's really fun like and it's another thing where, like, this show is already, like, pretty anime-influenced, and then you also have, mm-hmm. have, like, the kind of Gundam-type-like influence as well. Like, it's great. I it's love so it. cool. But since it is literally their unaltered vo- voices booming out of these robots, Spencer and Alistair recognize each other's voices. They realize that one another are piloting the Slayers and that they're on opposing sides. Alistair, though, is just like... I mean, that's fine. I'll fight my dad. Um, and he, like, yells to him that, like, Norman Osborn's been delivering all the things you never could, dad. <laughs> so daddy issues abound. Oh, And the daddy time. issues culminate in a giant robot fight. Which is how all daddy issues should culminate. Why are no other daddy issues culminating in giant robot fights? Truly. I don't understand. Truly. Why is this show the only one to get it right? Right? <laughs> right? One well, thing actually, I, I think I'm pretty sure Neon Genesis Evangelion had daddy issues in it. I, 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 didn't, I haven't watched. I wouldn't all doubt of it. it but, I haven't seen it. <laughs> so that probably, that probably, but like this, this and Spider Man are the only two that have ever gotten it right. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about the robot fight, the fight between Alistair and Spencer, is that their Spider Slayers don't just look different. They have very different 
tech. And I feel yeah. like it's a cool distinction between the two. And I feel like it says something about the two of them and their place in this world because Spencer, who is slighted by Norman Osborn, who feels like he's constantly catching up or outcast or uh, kind of old news in a way, mm-hmm. almost all of his weaponry is sort of mechanical. Uh, he's the one with the tentacles. He's the one with massive claws. I think he's the one that uses like a giant electric web. And most of Alistair's weaponry is like energy based. He has like a massive, mm. uh, almost like Pacific Rim slash uh, Iron Man like chest cannon. When his missiles come up from his from his shoulders, they shoot energy beams, not like physical explosive missiles. Oh, and I just yeah. think that's a really interesting dynamic to establish between the two in the sense that like Spencer is old news and Alistair is the future. Alistair is the one being embraced by Norman Osborn and not Spencer. I just think that was a really cool thing for them to, to focus on or, or not even focus on. They don't really focus on it. It's just like very matter of fact. I didn't pick up on that, but you're so right. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Alistair is also the one in like the newer looking Magento one, as opposed to the one that's familiar to us. Right. No, that's so cool. And that's, that's all, that's very definitely intentional. Like you don't accidentally stumble into that. So that's, that's really cool. I mean, this whole bit, I think is what we're referring to that. Like they suddenly the Smythes are interesting characters. Right. Like, I mean, not that like daddy issues is like the most unique trope or anything like that trope or anything, but the fact that it's like, the the way that it manifests is really cool the fact that it is like it is the idea of like um of of like uh dick dastardly and his and his dog if they were like you know <laughs> like very you know very typical villains if they were to suddenly split up and fight each other in giant robots like it's like but, that but that's the thing is like it they still end up being unique within the series right like they were so cartoonish compared to everybody else in the show for being that dick dastardly and his dog right type characters that were just like wringing their hands from the sidelines being like, I'll get you. I think they literally say things like that. And then they're the characters that go on to have a giant daddy issue robot fight in the middle of the street. Like it's so fucking stupid and it's so unabashedly cool at the same time. And like, it doesn't even just feel like the visuals are inspired by anime, but like, it feels like the type of dumb shit that you would put in like an anime that's purely meant to be like cool robot shit. You know what I mean? That isn't meant to be overly serious. That isn't meant to be, you know, like super deep or disturbing, but just like, we want a story about relationships, family and fucking cool robots. Like that's who the Smize ended up being. Didn't see it coming, but I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. And it's Muttley is the name of his dog. I was driving me driving me bananas <laughs> that I couldn't remember that. I had to look it up. Yes. Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Yeah. If Dick Dastardly and Muttley got into giant robots right? and started fighting each other in the yeah. street. And also if Muttley was Dick Dastardly's son. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. that doesn't work out as well. But, you know, it's yeah. It's great. It's great. It's so yeah, did not expect and, that it happened. And if there's going to be a spontaneous supervillain fight in the city, this is what I want. I want something so over the top and so sort of cliche taken to the nth degree. That's what I want. Like, I think that is what was missing in, in hindsight. I think some of that over the topness and some of that unabashed, like, we're just going to go whole hog kind of stupid to make it cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of that is probably what was missing from, like, the Herman Clayton fight. You know yes. what I mean? Like that was almost yes. a little too serious. And this is like, 
This is like son and dad yelling at each other and then shooting each other with robots. Like, yes, yes, yes that. Yes. <laughs> More of that. Oh, man, it rules. <laughs> it's like oh, perfectly it so compartmentalized much. into its own little thing, you know, even yeah. though it fits into the greater context. Right, right. And it's like a type of thing that like might have happened regardless of if the spider people were involved. Like they might have <laughs> yes. still ended up in a giant robot fight somehow anyway because they've got their own little weird thing going on. I love that that's <laughs> a thing that can happen in this universe is giant robot fights piloted by uh, angry family members. <laughs> yeah. Who would have known? How, do, oh, how did people not like this show? I don't understand. What was what, mm. not to like, you guys? Come on. Because <laughs> it's new. Because it's new thing, new thing, always bad. I know. New <laughs> thing, really different bad. robots. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, well, so th- because these two giant robots are fighting each other, <laughs> there's going to be some collateral damage. What? <laughs> they're doing it in, like, you know, a neighborhood. So, like, there's yeah. buildings on 14th being... Street. <laughs> yeah, on 14th Street, yep. Um, so, you know, buildings are being are being hit and stuff. There's literally, literally an entire hole gets uh, smashed into Miles' house, uh, which jefferson is currently in so you know they're they're kind of saving people miles has to deal with like saving his dad he even gets like hit with a bunch of rubble in the midst of saving his dad so like while this ridiculous battle is going on things are actually kind of intense down on the streets one of the one of the slayers um i think it's spencer's slayer picks up miles so he's kind of stuck in the grips um and so like all of this is sort of hitting miles very hard because like this whole episode it all happens very fast where he realizes I should have never real- never revealed where I live because now my whole neighborhood is getting demolished. Oh, and also my dad is now like in, in mortal danger and he's fueled <laughs> by sort of the anger and fear and like, you know, uh, guilt of that. And, and with all those emotions, he's able to build up his very first use of his Venom Blast, which I think in this show is just called Electro Blast. It sure is. <laughs> which is fine it's, which is fine well, it's funny because like i get not wanting to call it venom blast in a show with venom but then you call it electro blast in a show which presumably i guess at some point will introduce electro You'd but think, all right, right? <laughs> there really isn't a good name for his for his venom blast you know i mean yeah. venom blast makes sense because that's established already from spider woman mm-hmm but I mean, I don't know what else to call it. like. And then getting too insect or arachnid about it feels like weird to call it like a venom bite. Well, it's not really a bite, like, yeah, or a sting. Well, spiders don't really sting, so I don't think there was ever going to be a great name for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but it's cool. I like it. I like the way it looks. It's interesting that it, it manifests as like red electricity in this show. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks really cool the way that they do it. And it's they, they, they do it it's like it's like a CG effect that they do on mm-hmm. it too most of the time. Yeah. So looks yeah. good. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. It is enough to blow an entire arm off of Spencer's Slayer, which checks out. I mean Miles yeah. Venom Blast has been very powerful in different circumstances. Yet to be seen, uh whether this version of Miles if his Venom Blast or his Electro Blast takes a toll on him. Doesn't seem to in the moment, uh, but we'll see if they end up incorporating that mechanic, which I think has become a kind of an important uh, nerf on Miles. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if they ever end up nerfing him in this show. Uh, but for now, he's blowing off an entire arm from Spencer Slayer and then carrying on. He then charges up another blast to sort of like encompass the whole arm, and he throws that into Alistair's Slayer tractor beam vacuum thing, and that destroys both Slayers. So both of the Smythes eject because both of their robots are blowing up 
uh, and they're inside them. And <laughs> the Spider-Men are able to sort of like see this happen because it's obvious. They end up pursuing Spencer, not Alistair, even though there's two of them and two of them. But ultimately, they they end up apprehending Spencer after he lands and like kicks over the bully's Game Boy, and we oh, get this right, like yeah. cute moment of Miles being like, "Don't bully my neighborhood," even though these kids bully me, which is an important lesson. So yeah, yeah, there you go. So um, you know, after that, you know, Miles confides in in Spider Man that shouldn't have put his neighborhood and family in danger, just like everybody said, or just like Spider Man said. And Spidey's like, hey, you know, it's fine. I make plenty of mistakes, too. In fact, I still make them. It's all a learning experience. It's, it's no big deal. Jefferson is also there, and, you know, he goes and thanks both of the Spider-Men. And he, uh, he actually remarks that, like, he wishes Miles was there to see this and, and meet them because he's realizing that he was actually wrong about Miles' strength just being his brain instead of brawn. Uh, he says, because the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I... I don't, like, uh-huh. mind that. I, I, I don't mind that, but it's sort of like, okay. Like, it feels like they're trying to, like, spell out, like, a lesson that the episode was teaching, and I don't know if it really – it's just like, I mean, I guess so. Like, but yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really I don't, get, get I don't it. think that that point was illustrated in front of Jefferson for him to make that point. Like, I don't think Jefferson yeah. watched that battle and was like, wow, that black-suited Spider-Man – really solved this problem with his brains or like yeah or like he really balanced out spider-man by thinking about the problem instead of trying to punch the problem or like i don't i don't know like it's it's not like it's not like the two spider-men traded roles between brain and brawn and and saw that balance and that sort of that effect in front of yeah i i don't know it just i don't think it was illustrated it, it feels uh sort of reminiscent of some of the uncle ben points where it's like yeah I think you just really wanted to get this in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, they play it like miles just learned a lesson from his dad and his dad didn't even realize it. And it's like, okay. The lesson being that like you're Spider-Man, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I guess if you have, if you are to have spider powers, you would use your brain and your fists. Well, I, it's, I, I don't know. Like what, what are you trying to say here? Exactly. <laughs> it's also a little weird because the initial conversation that Jefferson has with miles about this is because miles wants to punch his bullies back. Right. So it's like, yeah, I, I, it, you can, you can, uh, outsmart and punch them if you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, imagine him telling like, my, like when miles gets home, you know, he's like, you know, I had this great experience that I opened my eyes today, miles. Next time you see those bullies, you should, very smartly punch them but <laughs> but with your with your intelligence i mean like the <laughs> real also world physically. application of that i guess is like martial arts but like I guess so. this show but, has nothing to do with that <laughs> but even then martial arts is like it's you're not supposed to like attack people it's like well, no that's what like i'm saying like i think thing, so it's weird that's what i'm saying i think like martial arts is probably the real world balance between physical and mental like mm-hmm. it's like it's a it's a physical thing but if you study it like it's not about violence it's about like you Using your body intelligently to like neutralize enemies, right? Yeah. So, but th- I mean, again, that has nothing to do with the show. <laughs> it's, a goof- it's a real goofy lesson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it it's a little silly. Sense. Yeah. Well, we cut away from that, <laughs> luckily, because we shouldn't <laughs> think about it too much, even though we just did. <laughs> yeah. And we cut away to prison, where we see Spencer in uh, in his lovely orange coveralls, and he sees Raymond Warren also in prison. 
And Spencer's like, wait a second, you got out. How did you end up getting back in here? Like, I don't understand how this is happening. And Raymond remarks that he never left. And more bafflingly says, how do you know my name? Which, of course, to Spencer is completely confusing and totally upside down. And Spencer just gives a face of, like, complete confuddlement because none of that makes any sense. Yeah. Not to us either, which I do think it suddenly that I think that makes the whole I'm Raymond Warren dramatic reveal like actually funny because it's like, oh, are maybe you're not (laughs) right? Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. And and there are so many things that we can assume. uh, Yeah. And and any number of them could be right and all of them could be wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Does he have a twin brother? I mean, comics would say that that's possible. Does he have a – does he make a bunch of clones? Right. Comics would say that's possible. Is he like the chameleon in disguise? I don't know. Yeah. Could be anything. Yeah. Back at Oscorp, Norman kind of tells Alistair that even though, you know, Alistair like failed this time at at what they were trying to accomplish, Spencer didn't apprehend the new Spider-Man either. Which means that the battle isn't over, and the war is just beginning. Ooh. Ominous. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, very explicit, like, uh, like war battle-type references. Yep. Well, uh, you get one last little coda on this episode. Uh, on a rooftop, uh, Peter Spider-Man gifts the new Spider-Man his own pair of web shooters. So Miles' webs have metaphorically grown in. <laughs> <laughs> My webs haven't grown in yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think notable, he doesn't reveal himself as Peter or anything. Miles right. still doesn't know who it is. So yep. they kind of end there with this new little partnership without actually being like fully in the know of, of each other's lives, which is yeah. which is interesting. Totally. Is this uh this this is the point where they they do the the hand motion joke, right? Where Miles is like, So yep. why do you why do you have to use like why do you have to activate it with your two middle fingers? And Spider-Man goes into what seems like it's going to be like a very Peter-esque over and like analyzed answer. Yeah. Uh, but it ends with, but ultimately, I just realized this was the coolest way. It's <laughs> cute. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that little, the little, little uh, jokey brotherly sort of uh, bond that they, that they seem to be gaining. It's yeah. Fun. I think it's also important because Peter, for the vast majority of this episode, was like a serious responsibility focused mentor. So for him yep. to end on a playful note, I think is important. It is. Yeah. It's like, he's not always a wet blanket all the time. In fact, yeah. he's generally pretty fun. Right. Right. <laughs> just, just, just depends on the circumstances. Yep. Just one face of the episode this time. I just really like uh, Spencer Smythe's confuddled face. Cause it's the same face that I think most people would give at, at, at that prison scene at the end of the episode. Yep. It's also yep. the one time I think I've ever felt that uh, Spencer was sort of like relatable or sympathetic for some reason. <laughs> I guess it's because he's like not scowling and normally he's like scowling. So for yeah. his face to do literally anything else, it's like, oh, you are a human being. Like right. you are an actual flesh and blood human and not like a total monster. Yep. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. It's almost unexpected. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Also, unexpected is just pretty much this whole episode, to be honest. For real, for real. Yeah, I really enjoyed it though. It's it's such a fun ride. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I liked the feeling of being surprised so many times in one episode. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's really good, really fun. Yeah, and it kind of bodes well. I think for I mean I'm. I'm excited go like even more I was already excited going forward obviously but even more so for like how they'll 
dole out the different spider people getting spider powers because this was such a such like a deviation from anything that I would have expected from any of them that it's sort of like, yeah. are all of them going to be like this where it just sort of happens almost out of nowhere in a, in your, the least expected way possible? Like, which I think could be kind of cool if they try to avoid doing any origin tropes for, mm-hmm. for most of the characters yeah. uh, and it'll help differentiate them more and everything. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. We'll just have to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I like it. I am too. If you are fans of us and you'd like to support us, we would encourage you to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash wildthingwebsnappers, where you get tons of bonus content, uh, including our spider bites and our after dark commentaries, and you get our our AMAs two weeks early as well. So uh, check there and see if you've listened to the most recent one. Lots of fun stuff always going on on our Patreon. But if you'd like to find the two of us individually, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast uh, with my co-host Kyle, where we talk about Pokemon just sort of as we feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can check me out on a podcast called Novel Gaming, a podcast about books and video games with splashes of other pop culture. What about you, Derek? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube channel, Second Chance, which is a video essay series looking at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. If you'd like to hear more from both Doug and I, we have another podcast together. It's our monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon. We're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episodes come out on the 13th of every month, and the episode this month is on Cars. Oh, boy. Which is is a movie that I, I had that will have not ever seen until doing that episode. Uh, so we haven't recorded that yet as of this recording. So I have no idea what that's going to end up being like. I'm excited to see uh, how that ends up, uh, how that ends up. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the March episode and you can get that available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. We have all of our our, our, our episodes of Walloping Web Snappers and Falling with Style archived there. And you can follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod. Or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on any of the major podcast platforms um, like you know Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. But I think especially Apple Podcasts because that's just where the monopoly is and that's how people find podcasts most of the time so please give us a rating there next week we'll be taking just a quick break from this series because you'll be hearing the first of our revisited episodes this time on an episode of spider-man the animated series with a very special guest see you there see ya Awesome sauce, as the kids say. This sauce is so awesome.